It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Skip Mondragon, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. So glad to join you, Laban. Well, thank you for joining us today, Skip. And what a great surname, Mondragon, spelt Mondragon. <laughs> Skip, I've got a question for you. It's a doozy. All righty. If you were to describe to the world what it is that you do in 10 words or less, what would it be? Tough guys who are beat up, broken down, and by depression. That's a great response. I'm going to ask you some further questions about that because this is fascinating. So when you talk about tough guys, are you talking about like Al Pacino, Robert De Niro? Uh-huh. Ah. <laughs> oh, you. What's your definition of a tough guy? Tough guys. These are men who are hard-charging, hard-charging type A's who seem to have it all together and have it all, but they're struggling on the inside. I'm a 26-year Army veteran, so military, veterans, first responders, athletes in some cases. These are the tough guys in the circles that I move. Thank you for your service, Skip. We thank you for your service. You're welcome. Which I know might seem a little bit unusual coming from a New Zealand Australian. 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 <laughs> I've never used that combination of New Zealand and Australian before. Maybe it's a new thing, like Gondwana land or something. No, you're you've been allies for uh, many a year. Well, it's what's interesting, Skip, is that uh, as I've grown in my own health and well-being and recovery journey, I've uh, come to learn about the importance of the First and Second Amendments, uh, and mm. we thank we thank God for having the United States. And I'm in I'm in Texas at the moment, you know, not far from the Alamo, and. Uh, it's a sound reminder of um, the importance of freedom of speech mm. and the right to bear arms, whatever your opinion on that as well, because that's what's keeping the rest of the Western world uh, in one piece at the moment. But I mm. digress. I want to know more about the reason behind why you're doing what you're doing, Skip. Oh, what a great question. My last year in the Army, I became a casualty of depression. And... As I was recovering, I was called to help other men who are struggling with this dark disease. And with that, I write, I've written a book, Wrestling Depression is Not for Wimps. I speak on this subject. I've been on multiple podcasts. I've spoken on different stages. And I am committed to helping men who struggle with this disease. What is it about depression and post-war trauma that's 
so unique to regular depression and trauma? Well, it has some unique features, but some universal uh, features. And I think the unique thing is that soldiers, like a lot of tough guys, have suffered in silence, but they may have accompanying uh, diseases. They may have physical injuries and they may have PTSD, anxiety that accompanies this. They may have traumatic brain injury. So oftentimes it's polytrauma, not just depression that accompanies a military man. And so I'm going to speak to men. That's who, who I speak about. Certainly that could happen to women also. So you have this uh, spectrum of trauma, if you will. And so depression may be one piece of that. Or if they just have depression, but that accumulated trauma that takes place. And one of the aspects of military service is this concept that we've come to learn about moral injury. And sometimes that plays a role in depression and those who have served in the military. And for those who are not, go ahead. No, I was going to say, have you come across the work of Captain Charlie Plum? Do you know that name? Charlie Plum. I have not. So for you, Skip, and for everyone listening to this that has an interest in this topic, Captain Charlie Plum was a uh, fighter pilot during the Vietnam conflict, and he was shot mm. down over Hanoi over in, in his last mission. And he was supposed to go back to his new wife, and uh, he was captured by oh, the, the wow. Viet Cong, held prisoner mm. in the Hanoi Hilton for six and a half years. In the first four years, he was held prisoner in a windowless, sunless cell that was eight feet by eight feet. And they were forbidden to communicate. They had to develop these codes that they uh, created from scratch. And, yeah, the scratching and the tapping and very, like, ingenious but what I found so fascinating about his whole experience, and he was a guest on the show, and he's got a book as well. Um, I'm not, I'm not your hero, or something along those lines. I forget. Mm. Sorry, Charlie, for getting it wrong. But you can, Captain Charlie Plum. He's he spoke about have a guess, uh, Skip, of the of the Vietnam veterans that returned home that weren't prisoners of war. Have a guess at what percentage suffered chronic PTSD. And before you answer that. Have a guess at what percentage of the 700-odd POWs that returned home, what percentage of them suffered from chronic PTSD? So the Vietnam veterans that weren't POWs, what percentage? And the POWs that were Vietnam veterans, what, what percentages do you think uh, for both? Just a shot in the dark. Wow. I, I would say 60% of the Vietnam vets at, at large and 80 85% of POWs, easy. Okay, so thank you for attempting to answer an impossible <laughs> response, right? It's 35% of the Vietnam veterans that suffered from chronic PTSD, right? Okay. And I'm sure there's some, some less severe versions, but they were the ones clinically diagnosed. And 3% suffered from chronic PTSD. 3%, you heard me right, for the POWs. And the reason being is that they made a commitment, they, they maintained rank and file in there. And uh, John McCain, who was was in mm -hmm. you know, the mm -hmm. former uh, vice president, I think he was vice president, uh, he was he was in there as well. And, and Captain Charlie Plum, and they, and they made a decision that they were going to come out of that experience better than when they went in there. Wow. Isn't mm -hmm. that cool? 
That's awesome. So that mindset, you know, the intention and the mindset, the difference that can make. And we both know that is how you perceive a situation, how you look at a situation, whether you're going to be a victim or you're going to be a victor makes all the difference. And that's one thing that I determined that I was not going to be a victim of this disease, that I was not uh, depression there. I struggled with depression. I was a casualty of depression, but I was not depression. And I, it, it troubles me deeply when I see people on Twitter or other social media that they label themselves as chronic PTSD, um, uh, depressed, uh, bipolar, anxiety, and that's in their profile. Uh, you may struggle with that, but that is not your identity. I have a different identity. I mean, that's a disease that I struggled with, but that is not my identity. That's a disease that I'm still treated for, but that's not my identity. I don't own that because I'm so much more than that. And I think that mindset, and I think you can understand that, is so important. It's so important, Skip. It's and you know what's interesting? I'm I uh, just came in from Phoenix, Arizona, and and I got invited to a crossroads meeting, which is where men, uh, I think it's men only, who have come out of prison or are coming through drug rehab. And we, oh wow! An yeah, an opportunity to to watch a, a speaker there, and I've never. It's the first time I've been to an event like that, and and they mm. it's a twelve step program, and they. Hi, my name's Laban and I'm an alcoholic and, and I'm a drug addict. And, and I just sat there cringing because of what I've come to learn about my own negative self-talk, right? And one thing you'll, you'll get to learn about me, Skip, you won't ever hear me use any negative self-talk. And it's not that I'm delusional, but I have come to understand the power of using negative self-talk and you just reaffirm mm -hmm. it to your subconscious. Mm -hmm. Now, thankfully, I didn't need to go through any formal program when I conquered drinking and drugs and gambling and flandering the whole thing, right? But I understand that that you use whatever you use, but if people kind of knew this power, maybe it would speed up the healing process. Is that what you can help with? I, I think you're absolutely right. The, the, the mindset you take and certainly uh, professional help. I, I relied on professional help. I tell people I had the A team taken care of. I had my primary care physician. I had a therapist, a clinical psychologist. I had a psychiatrist. I had the A team taking care of me. So yes, I had that. But the, the mindset you take is, is, is critical. What you tell yourself, because one of the things about depression is you have these negative thoughts that batter you day and night. And I, ha I struggle with those. And Clinical terms, we, we call these negative ruminations. It's like a cow that a ruminator that brings up its cud, chews it, and then swallows it again. And these negative thoughts play over like an endless loop in your mind. You don't deserve to be a colonel. You don't, you've let your department down. You've let the army down. You've let your family down. You're a fake. I'm gonna want to hire you. And these thoughts just played over, 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 over in my mind. And when do these thoughts scream even louder? In the silence of the night. And that was one of the things that I had to overcome as I began to recover because I was so beat down, beat up, 
and broken. And I had to overcome that. I, my confidence was shot. I became indecisive. And literally, I had to be built back up. I had to overcome that, that, that negative thinking and this loss of confidence, this indecision. And so depression impacts you emotionally, cognitively, and physically. It, it impacts you on all levels and even spiritually. It just beats you down. So, Skip, I, I, I want to explore this a little bit deeper because the word anxiety and depression is so heavily used now that I feel like it's, it, you know, anything used to excess loses the original mm-hmm. impact, right? Mm-hmm. Especially yes. like calling someone a racist these days isn't the same, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and so I want it like if you're, if you're a comfortable sharing and to, to be as vulnerable mm-hmm. as you can, and I think the more vulnerable we can be, the more impact we can create. Like, how bad did it sure. get? How bad did it get? How bad did it get? April 17, 2014, I went to my office at Eisenhower Army Medical Center. I was, pardon me, I was chief of the Department of Medicine. Got there early, as I normally did, before anybody else on, on the floor. I went down the empty hallway, unlocked my office, stepped inside, turned on the lights, and then everything just came crashing down upon me. At that point, I was totally overwhelmed. I locked the door behind me, turned off the lights, drew the blinds, turned off the phones, and then I crawled under my desk and curled up in a fetal position. And for four hours, I struggled with the question. I asked myself, Skip, what are you doing? Skip, how did you get here? What happened? You're a colonel. You spent a year and a half in combat zones. You're a national wrestling champion. You're a tough guy. What happened? And over four hours, I, in this mindset, if you will, looking at things, playing a doctor patient in this duality, kind of stepping back and asking myself and looking and realizing, oh, there's trauma dating way back to childhood that was unresolved. The trauma related to uh, during your teen and early adulthood as a physician, the trauma you see you know, treating dying soldiers, mangled bodies, burned bodies, all these things that are unresolved. And then this perfect storm of what had happened that last year in the army. And it all then comes together. And I see, oh, horrendous insomnia, problems with cognition, concentrating, couldn't remember what I read five minutes before. I thought I had early dementia, early onset dementia. I actually went and got tested. The insomnia, I was up and down all night long. Some nights I felt like I didn't get any sleep. The nights I could fall asleep within a couple hours, bing, I'd be wide awake. Couldn't fall back asleep. Those negative thoughts I talked about. And then this blue mood. And we're not just talking about feeling down. It's like this dark, heavy palpable cloud descends upon you the joy of life is sucked out of you it's like walking through life in black and white 
loss of passions, the things I was most passionate about in life. I didn't have any interest in them. And then, uh, you know, so that happens. You have the cognitive, you have the emotional, and then physically, the aches and pains from overuse injuries related to wrestling and training uh, just would ache more. Loss of sex drive. All these things, you know, happen there. And so in those four hours, I'm kind of looking at this and, and examining this and seeing this. And finally, oh, Skip, you're depressed. Go get help. And so as I'm crawling out from under that desk after four hours, there's that little spark of hope that I could get better, that I was going to get better. And I went that day, I went to see a clinical psychologist and they confirmed the diagnosis of major depression. And that was started me on the road to recovery. I appreciate you sharing that, Admiral. And there's a great quote from Les Brown that anyone that's heard these podcasts before from me would have heard, but it's important to hear it again. It's the ask for help. Not so that you appear weak, but ask for help so that you can remain strong and keep on asking for help until you get it. Yes. Yeah, yes, indeed. I tell people now, don't pull a skip. Don't wait till you're curled up under a desk in a fetal position. You know, uh, there's a, a chapter in my book, and I talk about this, is re- our, our prevention always trumps rehab and uh, as an athlete i know how true that is and certainly in life in so many ways that's true is to monitor monitor your stores emotionally mentally physically spiritually socially and, and as those stores are ebbing you need to look how do i replenish those because i wasn't monitoring those i'm a caretaker by uh, by nature I started off as a young child caring for my four younger brothers. I played that role in my immediate family, played that role in my uh, family raising four children. As a physician, I played that role. I've always been a caretaker and often to my detriment, caring for others at my expense. And so the importance of taking care of yourself, self care, is not selfish. So, Skip, what's what's one piece of advice? Because we've taken people on a heck of a journey here, and uh, I think some light at the end of the tunnel, just as a wee taster, at least, of what they can expect when they read your book, or they they work with you, or they listen to your your other interviews. What's one piece of advice that people can can run with today? Well, obviously, if you're struggling, don't struggle one more day in silence go get help go get help you won't be a wimp by admitting you need help you're simply human skip where can people find you the easiest place to find me is on my website transform tough guys www transformtoughguys.com and skip 
What concluding thoughts do you have for our audience today? I would like to leave your audience with this prescription. And Layman, I've given this prescription to thousands and thousands of patients. And I tell them, this medication has no bad side effects, has no drug-to-drug interactions, and you cannot overdose on it. Proverbs 17.22 says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth up the soul. When I was depressed, I had a broken spirit. So I tell them, laugh and laugh heartily each and every day because it's good medicine. Ladies and gentlemen, Admiral Skip Mondragon. (laughs) It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O. ES.com.